All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you all so much for joining me today for this podcast. Um, this is a question and answer based podcast where you can send me questions about OCD stuff or anxiety stuff or phobia stuff or panic stuff, you know, stuff like that, um, anxiety related stuff. Um, and um, I will listen to it, consider it, likely put it up on a future episode. You can send me a, a text question. You can go over to fearcastpodcast.com. All the episodes are, are, are up there as well. But you can go up there and you can click on the submit a question link, send me a, a question there, and I will uh, likely put it up. Now, what I've been doing for the past has been, um, you know, if you have an audio question, if you record your voice and send it in in some type of way, um, it will cut right to the front of the line and we've got a backlog of, of text questions, but the audio questions, I really appreciate it. They've, they've been coming in and they sound great. They feel so much more personal. I hear feedback all the time about how much people love the audio questions. And again, I know, I know it's a little bit more, a little bit more vulnerable, kind of putting your voice out there, but it makes it more real. It makes it, it makes it, um, it, it's not just it, it's it it doesn't feed into the paranoia that I'm just sitting here writing these questions because I can't do all these accents and I can't make up all these things. So, anyways, um, and for the record, I haven't made up any of them. Everything has come from you, the listener. At the very beginning, it came from questions that I petitioned from Reddit. Anyways, you can look way back uh, for that. So um, this is an audio question today, and this audio question came in via Instagram. So I'm Fearcast Podcast over at Instagram. Go check it out over there. Uh, you can uh, send me a message over there. Send me a direct message. Uh, click a little microphone. Record your thing. It only records in minute chunks, and um, uh, this listener found that the that that the hard way, and um, kind of it sounds a little tangential. And I try to edit it together as best I can but it's because it's these minute chunks and they're very awkward. So anyways, so we're going to get into that. So it's it, it uh, uh, it's going to sound like an ROCD question, and I suppose um, for the, the listener, for William, it is. However, um, a lot of these questions or a lot of the questions that, that he's asking really apply to other folks with anxiety, not just the subtype of ROCD, relationship OCD. So that's why I thought it was it was important certainly to put this one up um, I, I know we've had a ton of ROCD questions, and I, I love that. I, I love that I'm getting a lot of ROCD questions. It's um, obviously there's a need out there. There's a lot of questions regarding ROCD out there, and I'll say this: if you have questions outside of ROCD, I also love to hear that. The Fearcast is not just uh, the ROCD Central um, podcast. Um, I suppose I can come up with a more creative name. Um, than that, but you know, it's early and I'm recording this the morning of Memorial Day. I did not record one this weekend because I was out gallivanting with my family and having fun. Um, so here I am in the office, all lonely type, um, I, recording this, and hopefully it will get out today. Um, so anyways, if you have an ROCD or a non-ROCD question, I would love to hear it. Other listeners would love to hear it. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of like contamination. We don't get a lot of scrupulosity anymore, moral or religious. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of harm OCD stuff. So if you have those types of questions, we'd love to hear it. And, and you know what, if you have ROCD and sensory motor and, you know, some of those things, of course we want to hear those too. So they're all Something to remember, they're all OCD. Oh, and my favorite stuff. Let's talk about phobias. If you have phobias, let's talk about that. If you have social anxiety, the thing that I have a lot of, let's talk about that too. So anyways, that's the call. If you have a question, give me a call, I suppose. Anyways, um, 
I'm a little exhausted today. I'll be honest. Um, I was out at my my parents' place. They 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 bought this new house, and it has like a, like a f- small farm attached to it. So my my engineer brother went crazy, and he built a frisbee golf course that like crisscrosses and zigzags and goes around trees all over the thing. So I spent um, this weekend just hiking the hills and throwing a frisbee around indirect sunlight um, and then swimming in a pool indirect sunlight. Now, did I drink a lot of water that day? Of course not. Did I put sunscreen on? <laughs> not a chance. And I just feel I have that feeling of just like the sun just punched me as hard as it can directly in the face. I don't know if you've had that feeling and sometimes you wake up and and I have what you know some people call sleeping over and it has not some people me me and my family it has nothing to do with alcohol. I didn't have any, but it's like it's that like I'm just exhausted and a little dehydrated and I needed to sleep a hundred hours more and I didn't. So that's where I'm at today, which is, no, that's not true. That's where I was at yesterday. Today, I kind of got sleep except for my children kept waking me up in the middle of the night. Children are the worst. They're adorable and that you're, they're the worst too. So we can have longer conversations about that. Um, any of my um, harm OCD or, or, or postpartum um, uh, OCD folks, we can talk about uh, those thoughts. Um, and I say that jokingly because we want to bring a little bit of levity to some of these fears and not take every fear that we have, especially the content of the fear, so seriously. One of the things we've been talking about over and over and over and over and over again is OCD, generally speaking, has nothing to do with the content of the obsession. I mean, there are flavors of it, but this is one of OCD's lies, right? That the content of the obsession needs to be solved and is important and must be figured out or else. And it's not the case. This is an anxiety issue, an anxiety disorder. It's too much anxiety about something that is, that if the content came true, yes, it would be terrible. I think all of us would agree with that, but it's it's about the anxiety. How do we live with the anxiety and know our patterns and know and know what our anxiety is going to do? And most importantly, how do we learn to disconnect from it and let ourselves ride that feeling out, anchor ourselves back in reality, back in what's happening right now, back in the truth of the moment, and let go of all the stuff that we have no control over, like the future, like the outcome of things. We don't know. And that's, I suppose, to a certain degree, that's kind of where uh, William's question comes in. So I'm going to play William's question here, uh, questions rather, and then I'm going to jump in and, and we're going to uh, talk about it. Hey, man. First of all, thank you for your podcast. Thank you for helping people with anxiety and RSD and all that stuff. Uh, I've been struggling with uh, relationship-focused RCD, so my brain tells me I don't love my partner enough, or maybe I'm not in love enough, or I don't feel the lovey-dovey feelings all the time, and I should, especially when kissing or when having intercourse. Uh, I'm learning to live with it, I guess. I went on a holiday with my girlfriend last week. It went pretty well, uh, although I still have a lot of anxiety and a lot of panic attacks. My girlfriend knows about it and she's really support uh, supportive about it as well, which I'm really thankful for. But um, yeah, my question was about having anxiety and panic attacks without the intrusive thoughts. 
how normal it is to have that because my RCD is kind of relationship focused so am I feeling enough uh, especially with sex or when kissing I'm kind of living with that now I'm learning to live with that but right now I'm feeling really anxious and having a lot of panic attacks without as many intrusive thoughts as before and my question about that was how to kind of deal with that because it feels really weird being anxious out of nowhere and having a lot of panic out of nowhere when I'm with my girlfriend. I kind of get that she is my trigger because I'm having RCD. So, yeah, just the question is, uh, have you got any basic overall tips for dealing with anxiety and panic attacks that's come out of nowhere? I also had one more question uh, about the kind of numbness when RCD isn't really there. Uh, it always feels like it's lurking around the corner or somewhere and I'm doubting myself uh, whether I should be in therapy for it or not. I mean, the one day I'm really anxious all day and I'm in panic and I know it's RCD and I know for sure. And when it's gone, it feels like it really isn't there, although it still feels like it's lurking there and I'm doubting the doubts, my therapist tells me. I should focus on that and not really the RCD, but just tell myself I'm having doubts about doubts and that's what's really buggering me when it's the anxiety is a bit gone. Uh, yeah, sorry for the chaotic messages again. Uh, and thank you. Hey, I just had one more question. I'm not sure how much in advance you put your questions in the podcast, but here goes. Uh, if you haven't recorded the podcast yet. I also had another question about explaining your RCD to your partner because I always get really anxious. I'm not explaining it enough. And because my girlfriend has abandonment issues and she's really anxious for that, I'm always afraid that uh, I'm explaining it in a way that makes her anxious all the time. So uh, she's really good at noticing when I'm having like anxiety attacks because you can really see it in my face and she's really good at that. So I'm always anxious about am I telling enough? Am I telling too much? Like, uh, yeah, how do you do deal with explaining yourself too much? Because I also know it's a compulsion to explain yourself in RCD. Thanks again. All right. So, William, again, thank you for sending in those audio questions. Uh, and again, they were sent in via Instagram, but they're and, and they're fantastic because of that. So, um, again, it's been super easy for people on Instagram. The majority of questions that I'm getting, um, audio questions, are coming in through Instagram. I realize that's probably the easiest way to do it. And I understand that some people hate Instagram, but you can send me a question, record it on your phone, and email it to me. You can email it to me at questions at fearcastpodcast.com. You can um, send the shared Google Drive, like upload it to Google Drive, share the link to me at fearcastpodcast.com on the submit a question link. I'm going to get it either way. So, all right, William, your question. So the um, so you had kind of I broke it down into kind of three distinct questions, and and yeah, I, I kind of heard you know yes it 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 presented itself as ROCD, and and I'm sure there are a ton of obsessions, and you kind of said that you were you know working on them, and I, I I suppose it was it was unclear with one of your questions whether or not you are in therapy or not in therapy. It sounds like you are, or at least you were, but you were questioning whether or not you should be. I don't know. We'll get to that. But, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, you're working on some of those things, but you just have these kind of individual questions. So I'll, I'll answer these in kind of an order. So the first one was, 
you know, it's a, you were saying that you were having some, some kind of anxiety and panic without intrusive thoughts. Um, so it sounds like that, that overwhelming feeling of anxiety, the heart racing, the stomach drops, maybe the, the, the sweating, the muscle tension, um, all those sort of things that we associate with feeling anxious. Um, you're saying you're having them without the intrusive thoughts. So how do you kind of deal with the feeling of anxiety when there's no intrusive thought to deal with? So I, I, this is a really, really good question because and I hear this a lot because it's it. I know that I talk about this, and I know that in in a lot of reading and stuff like that, you'll hear, you know, anxiety, anxiety, and OCD are caused by and exist alongside these intrusive thoughts, right? And it's understandable. I mean, I I still do stick with that, right? Um, oftentimes, our anxiety are going to accompany these intrusive thoughts, these kind of thoughts that just pop into your head. Like, the, again, these questions. Hey, what if this were true? What if your relation, what if your partner is not for you? What if you don't truly love them? What if you're going to hurt your your spouse? Um, what if you're going to, um, you know, run somebody over, right? All, all, all these questions that then causes us to doubt something that we believe to be true about ourselves or some, um, or, or, or doubt what, who we are, what we're about, Right, and it lends itself then into saying, "Well, I need to try to figure this out because that just doesn't sit right with me. I need to figure this out, man." So that's where compulsions come in, come through reassurance seeking, self reassurance, uh, googling, asking other people, uh, doing ritualistic behaviors, washing, cleaning, organizing, avoiding. Right, all these things that you do to try to make sure that that story is not going to happen, or at least that that feeling goes away. Now, then again, what do you do? When you have the feeling, but you don't have the thought. Sometimes this will happen. Some people will disagree with me, but I've talked to enough people and I've lived as a person long enough to know that sometimes we get the feeling without anything coming or without any stinking reason. Now, we sometimes we get that feeling and then the thought comes along with it. Now, in that case, we can notice that we sometimes we just get a bodily reaction out of, out of the blue. And then our brain goes, what the heck was that? And then it tries to figure it out, asks the question, what was this? What do I do with it? Was it related to this other thing? It must be related to this other thing. Now, it sometimes will jump to your uh, intrusive pattern, your obsessive, your obsessive uh, theme, because that's the thing that you've been worried about. And that's the thing that you you worry about, right? The thing that has been in mind, the thing you've been struggling with for all this. So your brain will, will naturally go to, well, it must be that. Now, if that's the case, remember, we just treat it like we treat all the other obsessions, right? Oh, it's my theme. I know what this is. Oh, thanks, brain, for giving me that again. I, I know you're trying to figure things out, and I had this feeling again, and you know, that, that, that it, boy, it was uncomfortable and, and you're trying to explain it away. That's kind of what our brain does, right? Our brain is a, a problem-solving machine. It senses something, it sees something, or it experiences something, and it says, well, <laughs> what is that about? We need to figure it out, stop it, solve it, make sure it doesn't happen again, explain it away, understand it, right? It's a natural part of our human brain, and it's great thing. It's the reason that we have all the technology that we have. We have a question. We have a thought. We want to go figure it out. We have an experience. We experience something in nature. We want to understand it, right? So, it's great, except when you don't 
wanted. And that's what's happening here. It's an unwanted feeling state, right? So, it's in this that we we're trying to we're trying to build our tolerance. At, at the end of the day, one of the things we're trying to do here is to build our our tolerance, widen what we're willing to have. We're saying here, I'm willing to have anxiety, just like I'm willing to have happiness and joy and love and peace and and serenity and you know all the good stuff, as well as anxiety and panic and fear and uncertainty and all those other things that we say that we don't want. But that's part of what it means to be human, right? So we're widening that and saying, all right, this feeling popped up. I'm here for it. So William, what can you do? Well, when that feeling shows up, you welcome it. You welcome with open arms. Now, we don't say, I need to have it, and we're going to collect all of it, and I'm going to try to do things to make more of it. Now, that might be something that you do with an intentional uh, in vivo exposure, where you try to you know uh, 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 bring on more anxiety so that you can tolerate more and, and build your kind of emotional callus to having it. But when you're just living your life, we say, all right, here it is. Anxiety and panic showed up without the intrusive thought. Ugh, well, here it is. It's not my favorite, but there it is. You've heard me reference the, um, the meme out there that, uh, that explains acceptance. This is kind of what we're talking about here. Acceptance at its, just, its radical nature, radical acceptance, its truest nature. It just is, and we acknowledge that it's there. I kind of talked about acknowledge because some people will say, well, I, when I hear accept, it means that I like it. I'm approving of it. I want it to be there. I'm saying it's good. We're not saying that. We're accepting in that it's there. It's, it's a fact. We accept a reality instead of the opposite of rejecting a reality. Acknowledge can be another way to say acceptance, but in a, in a, a different way. We're acknowledging that that feeling is there. Not that you wanted it, not that you love it, but that it is indeed there. Yep, it is there. It's rainy today. Yes, it is. That meme of the, it's uh, this rain cloud. And on the one side, it has not acceptance, and it's like, oh, I can't stand this. It's going to ruin my day. I hate the rain. Why does this always happen to me? I'm, I have such bad luck, and it's like griping about the rain. That's not accepting. That's fighting the reality that it's raining. So the other side that it has uh, in this meme that is acceptance, it just says, yes, it is. Because it is. It's neither good nor bad, right nor wrong. It is indeed raining. If you are a farmer, you, great, the rain is there. That's awesome. Crops are going to grow. Things are going to be good, right? If you are like me in Southern California and it's raining, good. We need more water out here. We need the, we need the snow in the mountains. We need the reservoirs to be filled. Good. Now, if it's your birthday and it's outside and you have all these friends coming over for a pool party and you plan to barbecue and it's raining. It's a letdown. But guess what? It's raining. It is. William, you have anxiety. Yes, you do. So that moment we say, yeah, I do. And I'm going to ride it out. It's going to go away eventually. So I'm going to ride this rain, this emotional rain out. Think about it this way. Every storm passes. The rain clouds pass. They rain themselves out and they go away and the sun shines again. It does. So will anxiety. So will that feeling that you have. So in that, you can point out where in your body you feel it. I feel it in my chest. Yep, there it is. And compassionately welcome it and say, all right, you're going to be here with me for a period of time and you're going to go away, but you're not going to get my attention. 
You're not going to get my everything. <sighs> I'll take my deep breath and I'll stretch out my body where I feel tense and tight and I'll stretch left and right. I'm doing this right now as I'm doing this. It feels so good. So we're going to stretch out our body when we're feeling anxious. We'll take our breaths and we and we refocus ourselves. Maybe we go for a walk just to kind of burn out a little bit of that feeling. And then we re-engage with our life and we keep riding through it. And we try to engage with your partner, William, or you try to engage with your meeting or your friends or your school or the party or whatever it is. And the more that you try to engage, that feeling is going to eventually subside, right? So, sort of different ways, again, that you can start to think about how to make space for that feeling. Now, is it a problem that you're having it without the intrusive thought? No, it's kind of what it means to be human. Now, sometimes we have that feeling and our brain goes, oh my gosh, what in the heck was that? If you can't identify a specific reason within I'm like three seconds, count it as nothing. Count it as a weird thing that your body did. Oh, my body experienced anxiety. Ugh, ugh. Well, that's what my body does, right? I have anxiety. Yay. Well, let's keep moving on with life. If you have that feeling, you're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, left the blender on. And it's not, it's not a question. Did I leave the blender on? It hits you. I left the blender on. Well, go turn the blender off, right? When you're certain of it, when you're sure of it, yeah, within that three seconds, you can go, okay, it's probably because of this. Great. We'll go deal with it. If it's that question, oh, I wonder if it's this. Well, if you're not certain of it, keep moving. Keep moving on. Now, there are a lot of nuances to that that we can talk about, but William, that's that's one of the ways or some of the ways that you can deal with it. So let's keep moving on. So you said then, this is, this is I suppose, this question. How do you deal with, uh, should you be in therapy for this? You said sometimes the anxiety is there and sometimes it's not, right? You said, you talked about it as like this numbness, Right. How do you deal with the fact that sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not? Well, kind of the same thing as before. It's, it's we ride this out. Now, the question is, what are you doing when the numbness is there or when the numbness is not there? Now, I don't know if, you know, if the numbness is there, that's when you're starting to question it and ruminate about why the numbness is there. What does it mean? What should you do about it? What does it say about your relationship? How do you fix this numbness? And then when it's not there, you don't you don't care about it. And instead, you're you're with your partner and you do partnery things. And yay, wonderful life. It's what do you do about it? Kind of nothing. The question is is well, what do you do when the numbness is not there? How are you? How do you act? Do you just spend time with her? Are you when the numbness is not there? Are you trying to seek out the numbness? When the numbness is not there. Are you happily engaging with the relationship in an egocentric way, meaning a way that you would like to? Probably, right? When anxiety is there, we typically, sometimes we do, we typically aren't then spending time looking for anxiety. We're living our life. We're saying, oh, good, this is great. So then what is it that you do in that? Um, I've referenced this before. Um, Jonathan Grayson has this thing called the 10-minute mindset. It's this idea of if you knew that this feeling was going to go away in 10 minutes, what would you do? And it's going to go away. It's gone in 10 minutes. Would you spend that 10 minutes ruminating, checking, researching, seeking reassurance, avoiding, doing rituals, stuff that you don't want to do? Or would you get on with your life? Would you keep watching TV? Would you keep staying at work? Would you keep? Would you stay on that date? Well, you probably, if you knew it was going to go away in ten minutes, you'd probably just keep living life, 
Good. That's what we do. We ride through that feeling of numbness as well. And know that that, sometimes we feel numbness. Sometimes we feel tightness. The numbness isn't special. It's just another unwanted human emotion. And sometimes it's wanted. Sometimes there are contexts in which we might say that we want to feel numb. Or we want to feel just kind of emotionless. I know that sounds weird to say, but I'm sure you can think about times when maybe that's, that would have been more preferred or that that would have been, that's a, a state that we kind of desire. So we're not going to treat it here as if it is bad or say that it has this, this specific meaning, which is what ROCD wants you to do. For those of you out there, then again, think about what is what do you do when that emotion is there, what that emotion is not there? Do you treat it differently? Are you acting different? Instead, how do we just ride through these emotional states and know that our body is going to experience something, but that we don't need to engage with it or to solve it in order to move on with our life, in order to engage with our life in an effective way? So, in that label that when you have the numbness, yep, there it is. Got my numbness. Well, it sucks. It's not my favorite. I know this, you know, saying it sucks is applying a judgment to it. And I know we, we're, we want to not apply as much, you know, critical judgment. It's, it's the reality. It's there. But it is the feeling you didn't want. You're right. It's, it's not what I wanted. And yet it's here. It's not like, again, it's not like rain sucks. It's that it's inconvenient that you have this numbness now. Here it is. And keep going. I love what you said as well. And I'm going to kind of tie this into your next bit. You said, like, how do you explain this to your ROCD2 partner? You said, William, you said that your girlfriend, um, you've already explained it, and she, she's understanding, she's compassionate. Fantastic. You can acknowledge it, and sometimes this can be a compulsion, but you can acknowledge, ah, I'm kind of in, you know, anxiety's getting at me today, right? Again, it can be a compulsion of, of you know, checking or maybe getting some reassurance in this backwards way. It can also be just this sharing of experiences. Hey, I'm struggling with this today. And they can go, I hear you. I got your back. Right? Or, you know, I love you. I don't know, whatever she's going to say. But it's a way that you can't acknowledge that you're in that state. But then we essentially are saying, I'm feeling this and I'm going to keep going. Right? You can have her, have her as a team, but kind of saying, hey, you and me, we're, to on, we're in this together. This thing over here is trying to ruin the good thing that you and I got. So instead, I'm going to join with you in this, and I'm going to try to disengage from this feeling that I don't want. I'm not going to give this the airtime. Instead, I'm going to give all this other stuff the airtime in my life. The feelings that I have for you, the fun that we have, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay, so then lastly, and I think this applies to pretty much anybody out there in anxiety land. It's how do you explain this whole OCD thing to a partner who doesn't know what it is? Give me a moment. I need to have some coffee. It's still early. Mm, coffee. All right. So how do you explain it? Well, there are a lot of different ways to do this. Now, I'll, I'll say this um, first to William, and then I'll get into one method that I think is really helpful. For you, William, you've already explained it. I hope so. You've you said you've already explained it, and then you said, "Well, am I? Did I not tell her it enough? Have I told her too much?" That's compulsive. You already said it was. Back off of that, and instead, accept for you. 
Maybe I explained too much. Maybe I didn't explain enough. But you know what? I'm going to now relinquish myself with a responsibility over it. She's heard it. Now it's in her court. Not my problem. It's her problem now. In the sense that it's not your responsibility to fix it or solve it or answer it anymore. You've done your job. Whenever that thought comes up that tries to goad you into analyzing again, point it out. I see you, anxiety. You're not going to pull me into the fantasy again of what's going to happen if I didn't explain enough. Did I not explain enough? Should I have told her more? Should I have told her different things? More detail, greater, whatever it is. I'm not going to get sucked into that OCD bubble again. Instead, I'm going to get pull myself back and say, I already done that. And now it's her. And, and now it's up to her. And here's the key to all this. And we'll get to this. Now you let her ask the questions. If she has questions, she'll ask. Now, you can do this and do this once and no more. You say, hey, remember that thing I told you about with the ROCD? You know, if you have any other questions, let me know. And then you're done. You're done. You open the door to questions from her, and then if they come, great, answer them. But if they don't come, you don't need to explain anything else. Now, how do you explain OCD to a partner, right? Well, first off, I always want to ground this in, what do people already know about OCD? Hey, partner, what do you know about OCD? And they'll be like, oh, it's hand washing or it's you know hoarding. I know hoarding is not connected with OCD right now, but you get the idea. It's what people think. Anyways, so let's say it's hand washing contamination. It's kind of the thing that people see. I then say, well, all right, let's just talk about what OCD is, and then we'll talk about this, our specific subtype. So you say, with contamination, all right, you say, are, why are they washing their hands? And the partner will say, well, because they, they, they're dirty. They feel dirty. And they say, are they? Like, no, they've washed their hands a hundred times. Right. But why are they still washing their hands? Because they think they're dirty. Right. They keep doing this behavior based on a false narrative. So that's what's happening here. That's OCD. They're trying to resolve a story or a feeling through a compulsive act, right? So great. Yeah, that's, it's kind of like that, right? They have this thought. It's faulty. It's incorrect. It's, it's um, exaggerated. It's distorted. It's minimizing. It's magnifying. It's all the things that causes anxiety that then makes them want to do something to resolve this feeling, uh, uh, get that story right or stop that story from happening and gives them the relief. But then they keep going back through the cycle over and over and over again. Right. That's OCD. And you can see then if they kind of get that narrative. And you, and you can also say, what are you afraid of? And they might say like snakes and heights and spiders and stuff like that. Now, phobias are slightly different than OCD, but still kind of within that OCD or that, that anxiety frame, right? You're, you're afraid of heights. Why are you afraid of heights? Like, all right, because if you fall, you might die. Okay, but like the second story of a house, it's dangerous, but you're experiencing too much anxiety at times you don't need to, right? Or if they're afraid of public speaking, it's another thing that people are afraid of. What are you afraid of with public speaking? They're going to laugh at me. Okay, when's the last time that's ever happened? When's the last time you've ever seen that happen? Never. So why don't you get up there? Because it makes me scared. And then they could laugh at me. Right. 
they're reacting to a potential story about something that may happen that makes them feel anxious. So what do they do? They don't do public speaking. It's avoidance. That's a compulsion. But they do that, ugh, they make them feel better. I got out of this again. But what it confirms with them is that, you know what? If I just avoid, I feel better. Right. And the anxiety cycle continues, even for them. Now, so you can kind of explain it that way. Now say, all right, great, now that you get that, let's talk about my theme. Let's say it's harm. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt someone. They'll say, but you're not. I know, but I'm afraid that I might hurt someone. My brain says, what if I hurt this person in this way? Well, I don't want that anxiety, which makes me then do something. I avoid knives. I avoid being alone with somebody. I don't want to drive at night. I don't want to drive at all. All those things, right? And then that makes me feel better. But the problem is it just confirms that then I am dangerous because I had to avoid and that's how people were safe. Through exposure and response prevention, we drive, we hold the knife, we are alone with someone, and we prove to ourselves, we show to ourselves that we can do this, and it's highly unlikely that we're going to run somebody over, stab them, or eat them, or whatever it might be. I say unlikely, because see, those things could happen, but it's unlikely, right? So, that's what we're trying to do through exposure and response prevention, but that's the point. We're talking about it, just explaining it. So we kind of take them step by step, just little by little through just the understanding of the frame of it. Because once people understand the frame of it and that it's an an ego-dystonic thought, it's not you, it's this, oh no, what if the worst thing for me were true? So I, and I feel too much anxiety and I feel like I have to do this. People generally will get on board and then they start to see, oh, I see this. I sometimes get violent thoughts, but I just kind of push those to the side. Oh, I sometimes have, you know, I sometimes don't feel lovey-dovey feelings for my partner. Yeah, but I just push those to the side. But for someone with OCD is that you get stuck on those and it leads into this false narrative, right? So that's one way that you can help explain this to the partner. And, and then, again, this is part of this dialogue of then having them ask questions. Now, again, this is a one-and-done conversation unless they have questions. Because inevitably, as you explain yourself, your brain will do what, William, what your brain is doing. It says, you didn't do enough. Or, oh my gosh, you did too much. And now I've ruined the relationship. Now they're terrified of me. Or now they do think I'm X, Y, and Z. Okay. Unless they tell us that, we can't assume that that's true. I was talking about this with my daughter recently. I told her, hey, girl, I can't read your mind. And she's like, what is that? And I showed her what it means to read someone's mind. And, and like, like, I tried to say, can you predict what I'm thinking? And I'm thinking about a star. And she's like, you're thinking about a rhinoceros? No. Thinking about an elephant? No. You're thinking about uh, a monkey? No. And then I go, all right, I'm, th- I'm thinking about a star. What do you think I'm thinking about? And she goes, You're, are you thinking about a star? And I go, yes! How did you know? And she went, because you told me? Went, yeah. The whole premise of this conversation was about direct communication and trying to tell us what she wants and needs. Now, we're going to leave that up to the partner too. Your partner, we're going to give them the opportunity to ask the questions. And if they don't have questions, guess what? We can't assume that they have questions. If they have questions, we encourage them to ask. And if, and if they ask them, wonderful, answer them. But if they don't have questions, 
you let it go. And you, instead of then ruminating about what questions do they have, did I say too much, did I not say enough, what's going to happen because of my explanation, et cetera, we back off of that and we redirect back to our life. We try to resist compulsions as much as we can. Now, I have not talked about pretty much exposure and response prevention today, not because I'm against exposure and response prevention, but because these questions didn't lend themselves necessarily to them. And it is, it is though, a living exposure to resist compulsions. Remember, we've talked about, if you could do either one or, one or the other, either do exposures or do response prevention only, I want you to do response prevention. That is compulsion uh, resistance, compulsion avoidance. You can overcome OCD by simply doing that, by living your life. Because that is what... That is what it, that's ultimately what it means to not have, to, to destroy and kind of break that OCD cycle. It's the one thing that we can control is the thing that you do in response to it, the response prevention piece. We can't control whether or not we get a feeling. We can't control whether or not we get a thought, but we can control what we do. That's why response prevention is most important. All right. So I think I've yammered on enough. So thank you all. Um, I'm going to cut it here. I'm going to bring in the, that, that music here. Thank you all, everybody, so much for entrusting me with these questions and with your, um, I, I, with well, entrusting me with my answers and my, my attempt to help people out there. It means the world to me that anybody would listen to this and that um, uh, I can be a part of your story in any, in any possible way. So um, if, if you would like to ask a question, again, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can send me a question over there or send me a question over at Instagram. Either way, um, I'm going to keep doing this, everybody, until I stop getting questions. And then when I stop getting questions, I'll do something else. But until then, that's what this is about. So please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can uh, 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 click on the, spot, the Find Help link there and there's going to be some stuff uh, that might help point you in the right direction. So until then, everybody, ha- uh, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.